0: Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us as we've been continuing the series called Anything But Ordinary. And, and before, before we get going in that, let me just say something um, because I've gotten some comments and some emails and some Facebook um, adoration. I want to say uh, over our next series is coming up called Anything... Or it's not called Anything But Ordinary. It's called Grow a Pair. And uh, and I know that that might, that might seem like it's a little bit of a, a crude... Uh, awakening for a church service, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe a church would tell somebody to grow a pair. Um But we would, because, <laughs> it's just how we roll, no, uh, it's... <laughs> It, it, it is, because here's the thing. Ladies might not understand this, but for guys, this is actually a term of endearment and encouragement to one another. So, like, when a guy tells another guy to grow a pair, it isn't like he's demeaning him. He's actually encouraging him to... To step up and to step into something really, really good. And so, this series is all about helping us find some characteristics that come in pairs that we need to have in our lives if we're going to live the lives that God intended for us to live. Specifically as men, it's, it applies to manhood, but it's also going to apply to womanhood because these characteristics need to be identified in your life as well. And so, I want to encourage you. Invite your friends. Invite your family. And uh, like, if you have a problem with it, that's awesome. Let me know. You can email me at I don't care at Coastal. Community.tv. And so uh, just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, I love that uh, our church is so just weird and different. that like They like that kind of stuff. Uh, I, like, I appreciate you guys. So we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about this idea that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. And we've been talking a lot about opportunity. And we've been talking a lot about the fact that, man, all of us have this desire to. To lead a life that is not normal, all of us want something great and something amazing and something outstanding for our lives. I mean, it's just a natural inclination. I can remember growing up, and I grew up between Fort Myers and the Sarasota Bradenton area for most of my childhood. I'm originally from Chicago, go White Sox, and uh, and but yeah, everybody else is a Cubs fan. It's cool. I understand. I'm a one and only, but. But I grew up between those two places, and I remember growing up, and it's kind of like backcountry, kind of good old boy mentality over there. And growing up, all I wanted to do was get out of Bradenton or Fort Myers. Like, uh, I call Bradenton Bradentucky. It's like going back to, like, it's just Southern. And, and I, I just wanted so much more for my life. I looked around and everybody was okay with mediocrity. Everybody was okay with just existing in life. And I just wanted so much more for my life. And, and I thought, man, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out of here. If that's going to be through sports. And so I tried to make it through sports. That didn't really work out too well. Because I'm five foot nothing and I weigh 200 and something pounds. That wasn't going real far. You know, and, and then I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to be an investment banker and I'm going to go rule the world. And eventually I'll be Donald Trump. And maybe Donald Trump will work for me because that's what level I'll get to. And so I started pursuing those things. And as you can see, I didn't really make it there to investment banker status. I made it to pastor. I don't know where that was in the, uh, the level of rungs, but it was somewhere below that, I think. Uh, that didn't sound very good for my profession. <laughs> but this is what I know is that I always wanted significance for my life. I wanted my life to matter. Just like all of us, nobody in here wants to have a life that does not matter. Like, we all want to make a difference. Like, my difference isn't made in, in business meetings. My difference is made in people's lives today. And and this is what I know is that like when I look back on my life, I, I want to know that, man, I lived up to my potential, and I was the best husband I could possibly be to Shayla. I was the best father to whatever kids we have. I was the best friend that I could be to the people around me, that I, I maximized every ounce of my potential, That and I squeezed it out of my life, and I didn't leave anything on the table. Because the worst thing that I think that could happen for any of us is that we walk in one day, and our friends say, oh, man, TJ, man that dude just sucked oxygen off the face of this earth. Like, my wife would say, like, man, we, we survived our marriage. I mean, it was, it was that good. Or God to look and go, who? TJ? Who's, who's that? Or like, none of us wants to live a mediocre, a mediocre life. Like, none of us desires that type of life. And the reason that we all desire so much more, the reason why I desire to do great things for God and the reason why you desire to do great things in your life is because that is how God wired you. Like you weren't wired to be mediocre. You were all wired to do something significant with your life. It's why Jesus came to this earth. He didn't come to this earth, live this sinless life, die this uh, horrendous death on the cross, raise again out of the grave so that you and I could just be mediocre, so we could just be average. He came so that we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. Like that's pretty significant, not just an abundant life, but a more than abundant life. God wants something great for every single one of us. Now, some of you have been in this series over the last couple of weeks, and you're like, I don't really believe that. Like, I, like you don't understand that, like, I don't think I'm going to have anything but an ordinary life. Because you don't understand my past. You don't understand how I grew up. You didn't understand the household that I, that I grew up in. You don't know what my parents were like. And you, and you have all these excuses. You have all these reasons why you can't. But I believe that deep within you, every single one of us has this God-given desire to do something significant with your life. And we don't have to just be an ordinary person because God has got something specific. He's got something amazing for each and every one of us. And our problem is, is we just need to trust and believe that that is true for our lives. And let me just tell you something, ordinary person, the person that just thinks like, this is who I am and this is where I'm going to be in life. God constantly uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You look all throughout the people, all throughout the Bible, the people that God used were jacked up, they were messed up, they were adulterers, they were backsliders, they were they were people that none of us would choose in our top 10 of people that we think are going to lead significant lives, but those are the people that God constantly chose to do the most amazing things. And living this extraordinary life, living this life that is anything but ordinary isn't about your geography, it's not where you live, it's not about if you're married If you're a single person out there, or it's not about being single. If you're married, it's not about finding a different spouse than the one you currently have. The one you currently have is the best one you could possibly have. It isn't about the job that you're wanting in life. It's about the job that you have right now. Whatever you think are the things that would help your life are the very things that God wants to use right now to impact other people's lives. And we think it's, it's about all of those things, but it's not really about those things. It's about one thing, and it's found in Acts 4.13. This is what happened to the disciples. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, it's not about where you're at in life. It's not about who, what you've done in life. It's not about your income level. It's not about your job. It's about who you know in life, and particularly Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. It says that these guys, the people looked at them and it says that they, were, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. If you were to look back in the Greek of what that means, it basically says the Greek word is idiotas. I don't know if you can figure out what that means, but basically it says when they realized that they were idiots. Yeah. When they realized that they were stupid, okay, that's, like, and this is the thing, you can't fix stupid, you just love it, okay? And so, like, when they realized that, they're like, what in the world is going on? And they said, oh, my gosh, they've been loved by Jesus. And somewhere in the midst of this, this disciples understood that it wasn't about their humanity. And let me just give you a clue. Um. Like, I don't have it all going, going on. I, I know that you guys look at me and you think, oh, man, he's so smart. Like, I barely made it out of high school. You look at me and you think, man, he is definitely the best looking guy that I've ever seen in my life. But I'm like, that's not really true. It's okay. <laughs> but here is what's true. Because I, I am. I'm, I'm one of the, I, I identify with idiots. Um, I really do. What fuels my life is the fact that I'm connected to our Creator. And what can fuel your life to do something that is beyond yourself is the fact that you can be connected to your creator. Because what the disciples knew and what we all need to realize is that in their humanity, they they could do nothing, but when they were connected to the divinity of Jesus and how big and how great their God was, that they could do the impossible in life. And they could really live this life that is anything but ordinary. And we've said from the very first week that we made this one statement out at week one, when we were talking about Joshua. We said, contact with the creator is essential for faithful living. Like having this intimate relationship with your God is essential for us to step out in bold moves of faith so that we can seize the opportunity that's before us rather than being seized by the moment and missing out what God has for our lives. And so how do we, how do we really embrace this kind of life? How do we really do that? It comes out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you want to turn in your Bible there. It's where we'll be hanging out. It says this, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so there's three things that we need to do. And the first one is this, is we need to realize God's perspective. We need to realize God's perspective. If you go back to that verse, I want you to circle the words, God's mercy. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that word right there, God's mercy, in view of that, what it literally means is, is it says, in view of this heart of compassion that God has for us. See, so many of us, we look at God and we see and we think that God's perspective is is, is that he is constantly after us and looking at us, looking at all of our faults. And he's like, oh, you, hey, you girl, yeah, I know what's up with your life. I saw you last night at the club shaking your booty like Beyonce. Like, I ain't down with that, okay? Like, you need to change your ways. And so we think that God is doing that. Or he's like, oh, I know what you were doing. You think that you're all smart and all that, but you're really hiding behind all those lies. And we think that God is just constantly out there looking to point out our faults, looking to point out the areas where we're insecure because we have this perspective that God is out to get us. And that is exactly the opposite of God. Because God is saying right here, like, my heart is compassion. Like, my heart is is that when I see you and you're in a bad situation, I don't want to point out your faults. I want to come and help your situation. Like, I want to reach out to you right where you are and help move you from where you are to where you could and should be in your life. And so many of us, we need to realize God's perspective. We need to recognize that God has got a purpose and a plan for our lives. Now we hear that in church week after week after week and we think that's great. And we think that it's kind of like that God has got this incredible vacation for us. Like he's got a, a vacation planned out in Bora Bora for us on one of those, those islands where you have the dock. And there's your room and you sleep on the plexiglass watching the fish. And like it's the most expensive exotic vacation in the world. And you're like, I would love to do that. But you know there's no way in the world you're ever going to have that vacation. That's what we feel like when we walk in here. I know I do Sometimes. Like, I'm preaching it, and I feel like that sometimes. Like, I feel like it's this vacation that's way off that, I'm, that I can look at the brochure. I can think about how nice would that be to sunbathe out there. Because brown fat is better than white fat any day of the week. Hello. <laughs> Hello. But I'm probably never going to take that vacation. Like, that is the perspective that we have. In fact, I remember a couple of years ago, right before we started Coastal in Coconut Creek, I, I, I was always telling my wife about growing up. That right before the school year, my mom would we would go to New York. We'd have a father son or a mother son uh, kind of kind of date weekend and she would take me school shopping we'd go to New York City to go school shopping it was it's like her favorite thing to do we'd go see musicals and all kinds of different things and it was is really really amazing growing up to to do that and I would tell my wife about these these exotic things that I saw and the places I got to go and the places I've got to shop and my wife loves to shop and so she would be like that is like she just wanted to take that vacation and so one year I was like, Shay, I'm going to take you to New York this year. We're going to go to New York this year, and it's going to be amazing. And she got so excited. She started getting out brochures for New York City. She started making maps of where she wanted to go and what um, stores she wanted to shop in and, and what she wanted to do while she was there, what sights to see and everything. And, and she had all this stuff mapped out, and she was looking at our hotel. We got a hotel on Fifth Avenue, and, and she's looking at that and just imagining our daily routes and and then we finally flew there, and we got there, and, and, and every day she'd be like, TJ, can we, can we go to this store? And I'd be like, sure, babe, we can go to that store. And we'd go to that store, and she'd shop, and she'd buy stuff, and I'd come out, and she'd go like, can we go to this store? And I'd be like, sure, babe, we can go in that store. And what I tried to do is I tried to get my wife to shop so much that she would never want to shop again. It didn't work. But it was like this dream that she had, and all of a sudden it became a reality. And when it became a reality, everything in her life changed. And so many of us, we look at God and we say, man, that's the dream vacation that we can never take. And God's saying, no, this is, this is the dream life that you can have. This is the dream life that I want you to experience because my heart of compassion has already paid the price of that ticket if you'll just board the plane and get on it. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. See, we don't even have a clue for the most part of how much of an amazing life God has planned for us. He's constantly thinking about, like, how can I make their life amazing if they'll just trust me? And so we've got to realize God's perspective, and then we have to recognize that the responsibility is mine. We've got to recognize that there is some responsibility on our part to play. Romans 12, 1b says this, it says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. See, God has a, a life that is full of wonderful plans, and there are some amazing possibilities. And God has got some amazing things for your life this year, but it is somewhat dependent on you taking action to see those things happen because God is putting those things in front of you, but you've got to take steps into those things. See, there's a responsibility that's on our part to walk out our faith. It isn't okay just to say, I trust. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to actually walk that out in your life. And that is what God is saying to us. He's saying, listen, there's these amazing things. And if you'll get your, your, your perspective right, then all of a sudden you'll start walking out those things in your life. Hosea 10:12 says this. It says, plow new ground for yourselves. Plant righteousness and reap the blessings that your devotion to me will produce. It is time for you to turn to me, your Lord, and I will come and pour out a blessing upon you. I want you in your worship guide to circle, pour out a blessing. Because this is what I know is that we all want God's best for our lives. We all want a life that is anything but ordinary. But here's the thing. In the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises from God. Like Those are things that we can have in our lives. The problem is, is that there's a premise with every one of them. That means there's an action that we have to take in, in order to enable that promise to happen in our lives. And my question for all of us is, is, what are we planning to harvest in our lives? What are we planning for God to do in our lives? Not just today, but a year from now like what do we want to see happen in our lives do we want to be closer in our relationship with god do we want to have a greater understanding of his purpose and his plan for our lives what are we doing today to cultivate that do we want to have uh, be in better shape this next year a year from now do we want to be in better shape than we currently are i mean round is a good shape but maybe there's some better shapes that you would like to be in like what are you doing today to make that a reality tomorrow. Some of you guys, you want to be debt free. You're up to your eyeballs in debt. What are you doing today so that a year from now, you're not as up to your eyeballs in debt. Maybe five years from now, you're debt free so that you can be a blessing wherever you see the opportunity. How many of you guys would like to have a better relationship, maybe with the opposite sex, maybe with your spouse? What are you doing today to cultivate that relationship? Because if you don't do start doing some things different in your life now, you know what? There's going to be nothing different in your life later. We all want different in our life later, but what are we doing today to make that happen? We need to start cultivating some new things and some new habits in our lives. Notice it said plow new ground. Like That's pretty significant. What it's saying is that, listen, you've been plowing some ground. If you keep plowing that ground, you know what you're going to continue to get. The same thing you've been getting year after year after year. And so it's time for you to start doing some new things in your life. Maybe stepping out in faith in some new areas of your life so that you can see God work in some new ways in your life. And it's time for us to stop being afraid to go out on a limb and just jump out there and trust God in what he says. The problem with us, for so many of us, is... is is we're scared. In fact, there's a guy that wrote a book called The Ordeal of Change, and this is what he said. He said, people will cling to an unsatisfactory way of life rather than change to get something better for the fear of ending up worse. I know this is not working. I know this isn't what I want it to be in my life, but I'm too afraid of change because I might make matters worse. So many of us have that same mentality. Like, we're afraid of change because we might make matters worse. And listen, none of us like change. The only person or people that like change are babies because they have wet diapers or poopy diapers. The rest of us, we don't like change. We like to stay constantly. We like the current reality because that is safe and that is controllable. But notice what the results of stepping out and doing something new are in your life. Because we want something that's different than the life we currently have. Then we got to do something different. This is what it says. It says, plow new ground for yourselves. Plant righteousness and reap the blessings your devotion to me will produce. God says you'll reap a blessing for him as you devote yourself to doing something new in your life. And here's the thing, I dare you to do something different this year. I dare you to do some different things in your life. I dare you to step out in your relationships and get involved in a connect group and do life with some other people and see what happens to your spiritual life. See if you don't grow in your relationship with God because you're doing life with other people that are passionate about the relationship with God. I dare you to step out and start trusting God with your finances and tithing and saying, God, I'm going to put you first in this area and watch what God does in your financial life. I dare you to to step out in your career path and maybe step into that new career opportunity that you've been scared to do or to step into starting a new business that you know has been on the back burner of your mind constantly and you know you're supposed to do it, but you've been afraid. I dare you to step out and see what happens in your life as you start plowing new ground. You'll start to see blessings come in your life. And for a lot of us, we're like, man, I I just want more of God. Let me just tell you something. You're as close to God right now as you want to be. You are. You read your Bible as much as you want to read. You pray as much as you want to pray. You get involved in community as much as you want to get involved. And the results of those decisions determine your relationship status with God. See, because it's not our intentions that lead us someplace. Because what is the old saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like some of us, we're singing ACDC, Highway to Hell, because that's where we're heading in our life with good intentions. But it's our direction. It's the decisions that we're making that are taking us someplace because the decisions are our responsibility. And we got to recognize that the decision aspect is our responsibility, and we need to make some new decisions. Now, some of you guys have heard from God and you started heading down a path and you're in crisis right now. You're in some hot mess right now that you don't know how to get out of and you just want to run away from your situation. Let me just tell you, don't run away from it. Trust God in those moments. Stay, continue on, keep pressing on, keep moving forward. I love what Galatians 6, 9 says, says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want you to circle the words proper time right there. Because that word right there, we don't ever know when the proper time is. Because that's God's timing. That could be five minutes from now. That could be five days from now. That could be five weeks from now. That could be five months from now. That could be five years from now. But what he says is, he says, don't get weary and give up. Like your answer could be right around the next corner. It could be right around the next turn in your life. And listen, your problems didn't happen overnight. They're not necessarily going to get out of it overnight. A lot of us think, man, like, I, I, I've sown years into a bad relationship, and then one day I want a counselor to fix it. Like, that's, that's not reality. What we do is we sow into that relationship. We start investing in that relationship, and we'll start to see the returns of our relationship we get healthier and healthier and healthier because that's how the life works we got to keep sowing the right things in our life, and as we keep sowing the right things in our life, we'll reap a harvest in its due season. About six months ago, I, I walked into our offices, um, and there, we had a whole bunch of live plants. My mom helped decorate our, our offices. She's an interior designer, and she decided to put live plants all over the place. And in about a year into our office time there, every single plant that I walked around and saw was like, healed over and looked like it was dead. Um, we are not very good maintainers of plants in our office. Um, and, and so I picked the two that looked like they were the least worst. And, and that's because they were not, that wasn't just dirt anymore. Like they still had like a stalk and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to try to revive these things. You know, like I looked at them and, and they were dead. And so I said, I, I brought them into my office and I started watering them. And I started watering them every day. I'd walk in and I would water them And I would look, and I'd be like, nothing's changed. And then I'd come back in the next day, and I'd water again. Nothing changed. About three weeks in, all of a sudden, the plants started to turn green. About a month and a half in, they're fully green. If you were to walk into my office today, there's two plants that are in my office that were once dead, but I started sowing and I started investing in, and all of a sudden are beaming with life today. They're producing what they were intended to do. And let me just tell you something. you got to keep sowing seeds, and you got to stay committed and you will see the harvest of that. Rather than playing the what if game or what if this person does this and what if this person does that, like you stay committed and watch what God does in your life. And so we have to realize God's perspective. We have to recognize that we need to take responsibility. And finally, we need to reset our focus. We need to reset our focus. Romans twelve two says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Therefore, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word perfect right there in that verse, it actually means exceptional or extraordinary. See, God has got an exceptional and extraordinary will for your life. But it starts with us changing our mindset. It starts with us changing the way that we think about things. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by the thoughts that you're thinking right now. The way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. And so if you don't like how you're acting, start looking at how you're feeling and the way that you're thinking, because it's all leading back to that. And so if you're feeling depressed in life, you want to know why it's because you're thinking depressing thoughts. A lot of people walk through life, and they always see the glass as half empty. You want to know why you're depressed, because you're always looking at the negative. Do you know that a glass is never empty? It could be half full of water, but it's always got air in it, which means it's always full. It's all about perspective. And some of us have some stinking thinking, and it's ruling our lives, and we're allowing our feelings to dictate our actions, and our actions are jacking up our lives. It's time for us to start getting our perspectives right. And a lot of how we think and a lot of how we act is determined by the people that we surround ourselves with. I know this, I when I surround myself with people, I start thinking and acting the same way that that we do. Um, our, the drummer that's here, his name is Brett. He actually works at our church. He does all the videos and all the graphics and stuff. And and every day that I walk into his office, um, I have kind of a problem because I love shoes. And uh, Brett kind of has a problem, too, because he loves shoes. And uh, and so, like, I'll walk into his office and I... The first, like, I don't care what he's working on. I want to see what kind of shoes he's wearing. I know that, that that is not cool for a guy, but I don't care. Like, I like them, okay? Like, I just, like, I'm just, and so what happens is I start talking to Brett about shoes, and before long, um, like, Friday night, I'm at Sawgrass Mills Mall looking for shoes because I saw Brett wearing some cool shoes, and I'm like, i got to have some shoes. Like, because who I started surrounding myself with started influencing my life. I started feeling less than because I didn't have the same shoes that he had, and all of a sudden, I felt needy, and so I better go buy some more shoes. Then I started hanging out with Kyle who's this musician and we were out buying some gear this week and and I go into his office and when he's not there I start playing the guitar and I start thinking I could be a rock star. (laughs) And I go and I tell my wife like, listen, like I I need to buy a guitar and then she reminds me that I have no rhythm and that kind of ruins that conversation. But who you surround yourself with all of a sudden you start to take their mindset, you start to take their perspective. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you so much to get involved in connect groups, get involved in relationships, because we want you to surround yourself with people that are passionate about God, that are passionate about growing in the relationship with God. Because if you start hanging out with people that are growing in the relationship with God, you know what's going to cause you to do in your life? It's going to cause you to start to grow in your relationship with God. And our problem in life is is that we look around and we see all the mediocrity. And when comparing our life to mediocrity, mediocrity, our mediocrity is always going to look better than their mediocrity. And so we think that we're above average and that we're above that. But the people that we surround ourselves with should be the people that don't just allow us to stay mediocre, but bring out the best in our lives. That cause us to become the person that God has called us to become. When we first started Coastal, in coconut creek in in 99 or in 2009 sorry not 99 in 2009 uh, i was i was hanging out with one of my mentors his name is perry noble he, he's in anderson south carolina and the week before i went up there to spend some time with him i was driving through collier city and we'd been doing a lot of outreach there and and i was looking around at all the kids that were in that community and I said, God, man, how are we going to change this community? How are we going to make a difference here? What, what, is, what is the hope for these kids? Because they didn't choose their situation. They were just born into it. And how are they going to get a leg up? I mean, I know Jesus is their answer. That's, that's one part of the solution. But what's the other part? And I really felt like God said, man, the way that they're going to get out of this, this situation is that we're going to give them great education. They're going to have a leg up, and they're going to go off to college, and they're going to better their lives. And they're going to break the cycle of poverty in their life. They're going to break the cycle of less than in their life and settling for mediocrity, and they're going to start to live an unbelievable life. And I said, man, God, that's awesome. Like, how are we going to do that? We're a church of 60, 70 people. And there's like, I started looking, I started counting based on school board numbers. I was like, there's thousands of kids in here. And I just chalked it up like, I can't do that. And I remember sitting with with Pastor Perry And him sitting down next to me and being like, bro, what's on your mind? And I said, man, I just got this burden for this community. And I I want to do something, but I don't see how I can do it at all. And he said, listen, you can't do it, but God can. Like, and it's time for you to stop looking at what you can't do and start trusting that your God can do. And in that moment, I, I got up and I said, you're right, Perry. And I walked outside and I called a guy in our church and I said, listen, I need you to go to the city of Coconut Creek and I need you to get me a permit. I don't care what the permit's for. Just get me a piece of paper that says I'm allowed to do something. And, and, and he's like, when do you need that by? I said, yesterday. I get back in two days. Can you also get me a, a, a cherry picker that'll go up 50 feet in the air? And he's like, why do you need that? I said, just trust me, bro. Just get me one and a place to put it. Uh, he's like, that's asking a lot. I was like, you can do it. And I drove back into town. And I got into town and I said, Guys, is basically my wife and Pastor Wayne and uh, who's our children's director. And I said, Man, we're gonna I'm gonna go live in this lift for the next however long it takes, and we're gonna raise a thousand backpacks and school supplies for kids. And people looked at me like, You are crazy. Like, how are you gonna go to the bathroom? I'm just I'm gonna pee in a bottle. I don't know. And for the next fifty-eight hours, I lived fifty feet in the air through torrential downpours through summer heat and I said god I know you called me to this in the first the first 24 hours I think we collected 20 backpacks I was like I'm going to be up here the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> but the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity my hour 58 We collected over 2,000 backpacks and school supplies. We were able to give every kid in Collier City the opportunity to go to school with everything they needed to better their life that year. Not because I'm a great guy, but because I trusted God that he's got something better than what I can think or what I can imagine. And here's the thing, God has got something bigger and better than you can think or imagine. The question is, is will you trust him? And will you reset your focus to believe that you can and that you will through him? Through him. Listen, let's not miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime because of our fear, of our insecurity, our lack of understanding of the moment. Let's trust God and see us live the life that is anything but ordinary. Let's pray. God, I just come before you and I thank you that, God, you are bigger and that you are stronger. And, God, you want to do something great and amazing inside of each and every one of us. And this is what I know is that a lot of us, man, we are afraid in life. Our perspective of you is so off base. And we constantly think that you're not for us and you're not with us. But, God, you you said you would never leave us nor will you ever forsake us. And if we'll put our trust in you and we'll trust and believe what you said is true and what you said is real and we'll step out in faith, we'll see this year be anything but ordinary.